Hi, everybody. You're listening to Cinema Movies Film with Leah and Jordan. And this is Movie Cinema's Film. What? Oh, I wrote it the wrong way! <laughs> oh my god, I am sorry. This is Movies Cinema Film because Maria told us that the three syllables should be in the middle. She has a, a rhythm. <laughs> yeah, she's a genius, so we're going to go with what she said. Okay, so welcome to the podcast. We're going to be talking about Boy Erase today, but first we figured that we should introduce ourselves since you probably don't know who we are. Actually, the people listening to this probably. Yeah, if, if you find yourself here today, it's probably because you know Leah or I, right. or you are related to Rhino Comedy in some way. Yeah, so we are comedians, kind of. No, you're literally a Jordan's like really a comedian. I just do improv. You're literally a comedian too, because that is a type of comedy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're comedians. Um, that's why we have a really serious title called Movie Cinema Film. And this is going to be a very, very serious podcast. Really serious podcast. Yeah, we're going to talk about like, you know, serious issues like banking and, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> things like that. So if you need, see, I don't even know enough about banking to like make a banking joke. Like I was going to be like, oh, if you need a 401k, do you, you do that at the bank, right? I think that's through your job or through a private equity firm. I don't well, really know, though. Yeah, but you, no, you can get one through your job, but can't you also... See, I don't know. I, I probably just misguided some poor person who's going to go to the bank tomorrow and be like, hello, I'd like a 401k. Ah, we just started working. We, we, we don't need to, right. to start thinking about retirement. We're, we'll never be able to retire. <laughs> you shouldn't assume things about me, Jordan. Maybe I was put to work, you know, in a sweatshop at age seven in uh, Montana. You don't know about my past. You're right. You're yeah. an enigma. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have so many layers. Okay. So... We are going to introduce each other because, again, Maria taught us that. Maria founded Rhino Comedy, by the way. We're probably going to talk about her constantly because we're obsessed with her. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman and a very talented director and And actor from what I've seen. And everything else that she does. So, we're going to introduce each other. So, I'm going to introduce you. So, this is Jordan Freed, right? That's how you say your last name. Correct. Okay. And Jordan is a stand-up comedian. He's also a director. Because we're making a Rhino movie, by the way. I'm so excited about that. Beware the horn. Check it out. Coming soon. There will probably be opportunities for you to be an extra if you're (laughs) listening to this podcast right now. Right, because you know us, so just text me. Uh, Anyway, so Jordan... Okay, so what I love about you is that you're so enthusiastic about comedy. Like, you're not one of those comedians that's really serious. You know how everyone says, like, somebody like Will Ferrell, like, Lorne Michaels, like, these people are really serious in real life, and, like, if you tell a joke around them, they might not even really laugh or acknowledge it. You are the opposite of that. Like, you come to rehearsal, and you're so ready to go, and, like, you're so happy just to be doing comedy. Like, it doesn't matter that you're not doing it at, like, Madison Square Garden. You're just, like... So happy to do it, and that's really exciting to be around because I come here sometimes when I'm so tired from the day, 
And I'm like, I can't even, like, I can't be funny right now. And then you come in and you're like, so, like, we do these warm-ups. If anyone out there hasn't done uh, improv or any kind of comedy, usually you warm up beforehand just to kind of, like, get the day off you and, like, get excited. And you come into the warm-up and you're so loud and you're so, like, you're jumping around and it just... You don't want to be the person next to you who's like, oh, I'm tired, you know? And it just, it's really, really cool. And you went to college, so congrats on that. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. You went to Tulane, right? Correct. And you have a film degree? Digital media production. Digital media production. And English and management. Right. <laughs> he can do it all, folks. Whatever you need, just, you know, like, you know, you probably know us, so just text him and he'll be there for you fan mail also accepted right and jordan's gonna be editing our podcast he's an editor he works for should i maybe i shouldn't say the show or you don't do you uh you could say i just can't spoil anything <laughs> <Right>. publicly <laughs> or privately i don't ever spoil anything privately itv if you're listening that would never happen i never spoil anything because i believe in the magic right. of reality tv <laughs> it is and magical surprise. I mean, have you seen Teresa throw that table on Real Housewives? Like, that's magic. I have not seen it. Okay, well, you're missing out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what else do I want to say about you? You're really nice. You always, like, ask me about my day and stuff. A lot of people don't care about stuff like that. <laughs> no, seriously. A lot of people don't. And you look like Flynn Rider from Tangled. That's Jordan, wow. everybody. <laughs> I'm so flattered. <laughs> Um, all right, Leah Russo. That's me. She is a phenomenal actress. Oh, thanks. And an actress first and foremost, and... More than a human being. <laughs> <laughs> Were you telling me or was somebody else saying that you prefer to perform as opposed to being... In your normal life. Yeah. No, I mean, I love my normal life. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty okay now. Like, I went through rough times in the past, and I feel like I'm, like, good now. But I feel more comfortable playing a character. Because I feel like I know what the terms are. Like, I know what the character would do, and I decide on it. And, like, myself, I'm always, like... <sighs> I feel like I understand both sides of most issues. There are very few things that I'm, like you're 100% wrong and I'm 100% right. Like I can, I feel like I'm pretty fair that way. Like I try to see someone else's side in a fight. So sometimes I'm like, maybe I do feel this other way. I don't know, but when I make strong choices as a character, I'm just like, no, this is, this is me. This is who, this is this character. So it's easier. And Leah is the queen of strong character choices. Um, that is probably one of her biggest strengths. She's also like, just one of the realest actresses that I've ever worked with. And, like, it feels like you're going to war with somebody when you're in a scene with her. Cool. <laughs> and to go down that queen path a little bit longer, she is not a queen per se, but she is a princess. Um, excuse me. Have you seen Frozen? Oh, I forgot that you're Elsa also, and I've not seen Frozen. I'm not Elsa. I am a character inspired by Elsa called Snow Queen. Yeah, we do not represent the Walt Disney Company. And that's good. Yeah, That's no. good for all of us. Yeah, they need to represent themselves. We don't represent them. Nah, they, they don't need any more of anybody's money. Right. <laughs> They're good. 
Uh, Walt Disney executives, if you're listening, uh, I'm joking. If you want to give me a deal to make a movie or something, yeah, that's chill. But back to Leah, who you should also cast in your upcoming animated productions. They are stupid. What are they doing? Like, I'm right here. <laughs> we live right outside of New York City, by the way, so we're like ready. Like, you want to cast us? Like, we're here. Yeah, we're chilling. Yeah, <laughs> we're ready to go. <laughs> Make make some money off of us. Yeah, we'll we'll do you some good. Um, I'm getting distracted from all of the great things about Leah. Aww. Leah is also super super busy, so it is a blessing that she is gracing us with her movie talks. She <laughs> is finishing up at school, and she's getting a theater degree. Theater or? concentration in acting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And. She's running a princess empire. She's in this budding comedy empire. Mm-hmm. She's kind of all over the place, and I don't really get how she does it, because she does well in all of these fields. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah. What a nice guy. Okay. So, we thought maybe you should get to know us a little bit better through our movie taste. I don't really know your movie taste that much, to be honest. Like, we've talked about movies. We've talked about movies enough that I knew that you would be good to do a podcast with, but I don't really know, you know, I don't know your favorite things and everything. So I feel like we should start with favorite movies of all time. We're going to do five, but one thing you should know about me if we're going to do this, I hate ranking things. Like, I feel such anxiety because I feel like it's definitive for some reason. Like, anyone cares what I say are the top five movies ever. So, like, I just want to do five of my favorite movies. Same. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, it literally doesn't matter, and no one cares. But I just don't like doing that. And I also, here's another thing you should know. I pick my favorite movies based on my personal favorites, not technical merit. I think that's fair. So... I get it, like Citizen Kane, like things like that that are like technically so perfect or like scripts that are like taught in class, you know what I mean? I totally get that, like how Jaws is like the perfect script, I get it. And that is one of my favorite movies, by the way, spoiler. Um, I'm not going (laughs) to mention that one this time, but of course it is. But I usually choose more based on like my own personal thing. I don't know about if you feel this way, but I feel like top is always supposed to be more emotional objective and yeah. favorite is more yeah emotional because there's there's so many movies where i'm like yeah like that those people clearly knew what the fuck they were doing it doesn't mean that i love the movie like shape of water could be called the top movie of the year yeah. but i don't think it was anybody's favorite movie of the year last year I don't know. People were pretty hot on that movie. It wasn't my favorite movie of last year, but I think it's beautiful. I mean, I don't I do too. love it, but I, I love a lot of things about it. Like, I, I really like the poem. Is it a poem at the end? Yeah, I think Unable so. to perceive the shape of you. I find you everywhere. Yeah. It's, like, oh, it's so beautiful. God. It was a magical film. Ugh, that's that. Oh, my God. When the creature's just standing in the cinema alone like captivated by the screen i'm like me <laughs> <laughs> we're all just that creature yeah, yeah. we just want to be loved and accepted yeah also like i had no idea what i was getting into with that movie because like as soon as it started and i'm like oh she's just like totally naked masturbating like i didn't get i didn't know we were doing that 
I'm yeah. fine with it. Just didn't know that was what was <laughs> happening, but she was amazing in that movie, damn. Yeah. That, it's weird that she didn't get more credit for that role. I guess Frances McDormand kind of just had it locked down and people didn't really talk about other people. I hate when that happens. I don't like when the same person is like the favorite the entire time and gets everything. I, I love Frances McDormand, though. Actually, she's in one of my top favorite movies I'm going to talk about in a minute, and I think she totally deserves like everything. Same. She, she's unreal. She's so good, but I wasn't crazy about that movie. And I don't know, I just think Sally Hawkins is, she's she is underrated. She needs to get her Oscar because I actually thought she was better. Do you see that movie Maudie that she was in last no. year? So it was her and Ethan Hawke, who I love. And she, it's a true story about this married couple and the woman is an artist. She's a real famous artist. And she had like a disability and the husband's like really gruff and mean, but they have this kind of like mutual care for each other. And it's like one of those movies where there's not really like a hero. I mean, she is the hero, but it's not like a sweeping hero story, you know? And like you don't like him, but then sometimes like you do, I don't know, but she was so good in it. She was even better in it than In Shape of Water, for real. Wow, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I'm going to love this podcast because Leah's just going to give me so many movie recommendations <laughs> that I won't have time to watch right now, but I'll start them right before I go to bed and watch like 15 minutes and start falling asleep. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, no. That that was too close to home. <laughs> so, okay, so why don't we like alternate? So why don't cool. you give me one movie and then I'll go. And this oh, is all time. All right. I'm going to... And the, like we said, we don't like rankings no, because we don't. everything is part of the continuum, you right. know? <laughs> like art follows other art and is influenced by art. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to start with um, a relatively recent film in the grand scheme of things. And one of my favorites, I saw this film in the Oscar Best Picture Marathon. Uh, a couple years back. Oh, that's fun. I've never done that. It is gnarly. You were just <laughs> sitting down for five straight movies, and I went with people from my film club in high school. Aw, that's cute. And I saw Beasts of the Southern Wild. Nice. A Ben Zeitlin film. Uh, takes place in, like, very, very coastal Louisiana that's basically going underwater. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm going to butcher her name. I'm so sorry. Corbenjane, right? Corbenjane Wallace? Yes. Oh. She was just so amazing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's just so much heart in that film, and I'm a sucker for cinematography. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, where my heart lies. Like, I don't know if Leah saw this when we walked in to see Boy Erased, but, like, just me seeing a film screen... I just light up and Aww. just get so much joy. <laughs> but you always light up. That's what I was saying at the beginning. <laughs> He's always in a good mood. I feel like it would be hard to like really piss you off or offend you. Yeah, you have to try pretty hard. I don't try to hate people. It's very good. Um, yeah, but- I, I really liked that movie too. And I am obsessed, not in a bad way, not in a weird way, but with child actors. I love child actors. Yeah. I'm like fascinated by them. That film was just intense, but very grounded. Also, it was a good message, Mm -hmm. which, like, nobody really talks about, that, like, our coastlines are just going to be gone. Like, it was kind (laughs) of on the radar in Louisiana, but, like, people 
kind of avoid it, and people still give their money to big oil and stuff like that. But New York City is not going to exist in 150 years if America still exists in 150 years. <laughs> like, all the biggest cities are going to be gone. All the coasts are going to be demolished. We're just going to be a middle America. <laughs> yeah. Well, that also feeds into Boy Erased as, like, a movie that brings attention to something going on, which we'll save that for when we talk about the movie, actually. But I think that's really important, whether no matter what side of an issue you're on, I think just, like, learning about something is really good. I can't tell you the amount of things that I only know because of movies. Because then I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Let me look that up. And then I spend three hours in a deep dive on, like, you know, jur- like um, you know, scholarly journal websites and stuff. All right, so... Are you... That's, that's going to be the first one. Then. All the right. right? <laughs> cool. Okay. So, I always say this is my definitive favorite movie of all time just because it's, like, just too hard and I've always loved it. It's almost famous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh... Shout out Mrs. Mart if she's listening. Okay. Mrs. Mart. Marked. Like Walmart? She was my journalism teacher, and she showed us Almost Famous. Oh, good for her. And we jammed out to Rocket Man. We love, we love Mrs. Mart. I've never met her, but we love her. We do love her. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> so I think this is a perfect movie. This is one of those, I think the script is perfect. I think it's, it is actually taught in a lot of screenwriting classes because the script is so good. There's just nothing... There's nothing extra. Every scene has meaning. A Mark Maron cameo. Exactly. That's what every (laughs) film needs. And (laughs) I actually in this movie, it has my favorite movie moment of all time, which is, I guess this is kind of a spoiler, but it's been out since 2000. So, you know, please watch it. (laughs) You have it. It's when... Hit the 30 uh, second, fast forward if you have to. <laughs> right, or maybe like 30 minutes because I'll probably won't shut up about this. <laughs> but <laughs> So the moment when um, Penny runs out into like the field with the trees, it's so beautiful looking and William runs after her and tells her the truth about Russell and her reaction is my favorite acting I've ever seen from not just from Kate Hudson, from any actress, and, and I'm talking about anyone, I'm talking about Katherine Hepburn, everybody, right? Like, this moment where she looks at him, and, you know, she kind of knew already, but hearing it from another person, that embarrassment, and, like, the look on her face, and then her resilience, like, that was such a good character move, the way she played it, because... She still is, like, that freewheeling, cool, like, groupie girl who's, like, going to make a joke about it at the same time. And she has, like, a single tear fall down her eye. It's so good. I I love it so much. And uh, the whole, just the whole rock and roll thing, like, I grew up really into the spirit of the 60s, that era of rock and roll and the messages and the movement behind everything and, like, you know, that was such a time of change and, like, the counterculture and, like, the rebellion and, like, Easy Rider and, like, the civil rights movement and all that kind of stuff and how, like, rock and roll and music was such a touchstone for people. And I myself, as you know, have been to very many concerts. (laughs) She's what we would call a super fan (laughs) of a certain band. Of a certain band named Hanson. And so I spent a lot of my younger years, I like how I act like this is not still going on, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I've seen them now 75 times. 
So I started when I was 13 going to their shows. And, you know, I felt like that moment when I finally, like, because of this movie and because of my love for uh, rock and roll, like, when I finally got to go backstage and I had a pass to go meet the band, I felt like I was living this movie and it felt like I was, like, that was, like, my teenage dream and I was kind of, like, closing a chapter of my life and I was like, okay, I did it. Like, I was backstage with my favorite band in New York City. Like, I'm so cool and now I can just, like, (laughs) move on. But my favorite, um, and not that I'm, like, moved on from Hanson because I'm certainly not. Uh, You should get their new album, by the way. It's called String Theory. Anyways... I'm such a see. I'm so into this movie that I'm like promoting the band as I'm <laughs> like, like that's how much I love the spirit of it. So also, I think the scene where they're all really pissed at Russell, who's again done something stupid by getting totally high and jumping off a roof, which obviously not only could have killed him, but even if he just had an injury or whatever, could have ruined their whole tour. They all would be like out of a job, blah blah blah. They're all so pissed. And then he gets on the bus, and no one says a word. There's, like, so much tension. And Tiny Dancer comes on, and they all start, slowly start singing together, and that's kind of what solves the problem and heals the issue. It's like, that's what music is for so many people. It's like, that was the perfect way. Instead of having a scene about it where they laid it out and talked about it, which they do talk about the power of music many times in the movie, but that, you know, in movies you're supposed to show rather than tell. So like that scene of showing how music can just help you and get rid of something that's bad, to put it very simply, to get rid of the bad and like put the good in and they all sing together and then she says to William, William says, I have to go home and she goes, you are home. I felt that way so many times, like in the middle of Oklahoma, which is like where Hanson is from so they have a lot of events there. Like, you know, to feel like you're home there when you are not I'm from New Jersey and I'm always like in New York and New Jersey so like that's my home it's like very true you know something that you like art that you love can make anywhere feel like home and I feel like that movie represents that feeling pretty much better than anything else so thank you Cameron Crowe for that (laughs) what's our next movie Jordan all right we're gonna go hot with uh one of my fave faves probably seen it most out of any film at this point, and I even took a class on it in college, and it is The Big Lebowski. Of course, because you're, like, straight and white, and in your 20s. Like, every... <laughs> no, seriously, every... And 30s, I should say. Like, if you're if you're straight and white, and you're a man, and you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, you love The Big Lebowski. That's true, right? That's true, but <laughs> I feel like that discounts a little bit of the art of it like I feel like it's like yeah it is bro culture no it's great I love it but 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 I could never love it as much as a straight white man though I feel like I think that's fair (laughs) like I guess the uh Julianne Moore character is really the only prominent woman in the film although Tara Reid is super funny Tara Reid is great I feel bad she's gotten an unfair shake in this world I feel like Poor Tara. Tara Reed, if you're listening, come on the show, because we <laughs> we would love to have you. We want to do a full Sharknado episode, so... Yes, yes. She was in that, right? Of course. Yeah. That is a Tara Reed original. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote, directed, produced, and she did the score. <laughs> and that was wildly successful. Right. See, she's great. <laughs> we love you, Tara. But I think that's, like, 
one of the greatest comedies of all time, if not the greatest comedy of all time. It okay. just has such strong and grounded characters that I just get reminded of so often in my life. Like, anybody who knows me probably could see why I like the film, because I'm very dude-like in the fact that, I don't know, I'm pretty good with the flow <laughs> when it comes to things. <laughs> you could have totally been cast in that movie. That's like, man, that's a mistake that you were not of age at that time. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of pissed because Matthew McConaughey uh, is getting cast in a film that's like supposed to be the new Big Lebowski, oh kind of. You could totally play like his son. You, oh my god, I can't believe I've never thought of this before. Wait, you have to do, like, a Matthew McConaughey character in a scene. And then it's like, I'm siblings of Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> he was his son in Interstellar, right? Oh my god. Please do that, Jordan. Oh my god, but you should literally be his son in the, in the improv scene. Don't be like him. Be his son. <laughs> I would love to. Oh god. But yeah, John Goodman, amazing. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the goat. I love Philip so much. Um, and Jeff Bridges. He's just, that, that character is just iconic. transcendent. Yeah, mm-hmm. iconic. Totally. My favorite line is, is, I used to say this all the time when I was like 18, is, um, well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I want that robe. I could just drink white Russians and wear a robe and, and sunglasses. S- smoke joints for well, the rest you, of my life and be pretty happy. You used to have that hair. Yes. If you, if anyone back. is interested in Jordan, by the way, you're still single, right? Correct. Okay, um, Jordan's single. Well, he is, but if you're single, uh, check out Jordan's Facebook because you can see some totally sweet pictures of your long-haired past. All of this could be yours one day when I grow it back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all I have to say about The Big Lebowski. Uh, spoiler alert, that's not going to be my own, only Coen Brothers film I in here. I fucking love the Coen Brothers. I'm excited to see which other one you because I have my top favorite Coen Brothers movie, which probably isn't hard to guess. I, I think would you already to. teased it. Did I? I think so. I would love to hear what yours is. Cool. All right, so the other movie I'm going to mention is Paper Moon. Have you seen it? No. Ah! <laughs> you need to see it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this movie. This is the sound of me adding it to my list. Thank you. <laughs> that. Wow. That was so convincing. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So this movie is from 73, I believe. It's a Peter Bogdanovich, who I love, uh, movie. And it's about. This orphan little girl, played by Tatum O'Neill, who won the Academy Award at age 10. She is still the youngest person ever to win an Academy Award. And I believe she is still the youngest. I think, like, Anna Paquin was, like, a few months older than her or something. So I think she's still the youngest. But she gives, in my opinion, one of the best performances ever by anyone, never mind a child. I think she totally, 100% deserved the Oscar. It's her and her real father, Ryan O'Neill, and he's also fantastic in it. And she's an orphan, and he is a con artist. Well, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna give too much away about what their relationship may or may not be, but they have a sort of like scrappy 
kind of like father-daughter, but also like partners, because she kind of starts to learn the cons and stuff that he does, and their banter in between each other is brilliant. The entire movie is great. It was shot uh, in black and white. There's a lot of... The, the cinematography is just brilliant. You, you'll immediately, as a digital media major, you'll be like, oh, this hits all the major points of like the good shit that you're supposed to do. Like, Bogdanovich <laughs> was obviously very inspired by old Hollywood. It's set in the 30s and it came out in the 70s and it just feels so authentic. And the, like I said, for Tatum O'Neill to be able to do what she did, I don't even understand it, but she's so perfect. And I think the movie, it, there's like, it's so hard to get into without like giving everything away, but it really has so many elements of old Hollywood movies, but it has also that authentic 70s film feel, you know, how like the shift from old Hollywood to like new Hollywood is like, well, everything in the 70s was more realistic and more like stripped down, whereas old Hollywood was more about like the over the top glamour and Laurence Olivier and all that kind of stuff. It's really good and it just really tells a great story about two people that that happen to come together and how they relate to each other and it has an awesome like it has awesome like buttons like it has an awesome like callback at the end and I just like I could watch it a hundred thousand times I'm done (laughs) for my next film I am going to go with some Tarantino of course but what do you think I'm going to say? What do I think you're going to say? I don't... You know what's funny about him? Is that he doesn't have one of those movies that everyone's like, oh, that's the shitty one. Yeah. Like, he has... Of course, like, people are more obsessed with Pulp Fiction probably than anything else. But I don't think there's anything that's, like, the bad one. So I don't know. I'm going to go with Jackie Brown. Awesome. And it is... Such a fantastic movie. She's Pam Pam Greer. Superstar Pam Greer killed it. uh, Carries that film, and then the like bit parts from Robert De Niro and Samuel L. Jackson are so (laughs) fucking funny. And <laughs> it's it's just a very like winding story, and every character just fits together so well. And it's I feel like Tarantino's most complete film okay. that actually has a story that's followable <laughs> right. and like makes sense. Like I guess the other ones are more winding and play with different devices. You know, and, I haven't seen it in so many years. I I'm interested. To see like what you mean by most complete film, that's that's a intriguing comment. Yeah, I just feel like Pulp Fiction is weird narratively, and it's cool. It's awesome, like yeah. as an art form, it's great. But and even in Glorious Bastards, like kind of plays around with like, oh, we're gonna cut to this scene and we're gonna put a caption or mm-hmm. subtitles or whatever yeah, it's it is. O- overly yeah. stylistic. Well, yeah. some some would not say overly. I don't even mean that in a bad way because I'm an extremely extra person myself. So, and the end of the film is just so nice. We won't give it away, ladies and gentlemen, because that probably is like his. I would say besides Gr- Grindhouse, is Jackie Brown his least seen movie? Um. And by that, I mean Death Proof. Probably. Because he didn't direct the other one. He just directed Death Proof, right? Or was yeah, it, yeah, probably. Did he do Four Rooms? 
deal with four rooms? It has like <laughs> Tim Robbins. <coughs> I and, like, honestly don't know. Witches. No, 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 no. <laughs> Am I thinking of something else? Yeah, Four Rooms had like all. It was like one of that those movies that has like a ton of celebrities. It's like an ensemble, but it it more is like oh, it has all these really famous people. Like it has Madonna in it, but it's not actually like well written. Hmm. I stopped watching it, so <laughs> that's probably his least watched film, along with Grindhouse, Death Proof, whatever. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Planet Terror is Rodriguez, right? Yes. Okay. All right, is it my turn again? Yes, it is. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a movie that for some reason gets a lot of flack. It's one of those films that has the people who love and adore it, like myself, and then it has people that just make fun of it so much, and I'm hoping that it'll come around over the years. It'll again be praised and adored, but the movie is Garden State. I love that film. You do? Yay! Oh my god, I'm so happy. I don't have to deal with some bullshit right now, because I hate <laughs> <laughs> So, first of all, I'm from New Jersey. So, you're from Warwick originally? Yes. Okay, so he's from New York State. I'm from New On Jersey. On the border of New York and New Jersey. Right. It's we actually grew up the town apart from each other. Right, I grew up, well, yeah. Knew each other. I grew up in Vernon, New Jersey. Which, if anyone listening to this knows Mountain Creek or Action Park, the death camp, basically. I shouldn't have said that. That was... <laughs> I worked at Action Park, so you could say it. Oh, my God. When I, just to be clear, when I said death camp, I was not making a Holocaust joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also Jewish, so you could say that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be clear with that. I wasn't even thinking that until it came out of my mouth. I was thinking that because there were a lot of deaths at Action Park. It's famous for that in our area. If you want to learn about it, there's a YouTube channel called Defunct Land. Have you seen that no. channel? It's brilliant. They they have all this all this theme park stuff. Most of it's Disney, but also other parks that like failed or like crazy stories. And they have an episode on Action Park and it's insane. It, you won't even believe. If I actually say the things that happen, people will be like, "Oh, she's exaggerating." But trust me. Future president Cory Booker <laughs> is quoted as saying, like, oh, I still have the scars from Action Park. Right. I think we all do. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, Garden State. I'm from New Jersey. And it's not so much that it's a Jersey film, because I see a lot of uh, Jersey films, but it's like, I feel like a lot of New Jersey movies are mafia-based, or it's like people think of The Sopranos, things like that. This is like the more normal, everyday person in New Jersey movie. And again, it's authentic. I'm probably gonna say that, that word 100 times because that's one of my favorite words and it's my favorite quality in anything like a person or a piece of art. The little moments in the movie are so real. Like it, it just connects you so much and of course I'm an actress so I can also relate to you know talking to old friends or family and you know they think it's so exciting that you did this like little appearance on this little thing and you're like no I'm struggling and I made like 60 bucks that day and (laughs) like I'm not a movie star now because I did that one thing and I think the relationship between uh, Zach Braff, who also wrote and directed it, and Natalie Portman also feels very real, the way that they get to know each other, and the way that like there's obviously something there right away, and they just kind of end up coming together and hanging out, and it's not a whole big 
I'm gonna ask her out or whatever. It's just kind of like, oh, like it's that unspoken thing when you meet someone and you both know that you want to spend time together and rather than it be this like super intense romantic thing, it's more like they're just kind of feeling each other out. Like I love the sequence of that scene where they run into each other, they meet at the doctor's office and like he ends up taking her home and then he ends up coming inside and again, just little, <laughs> just little character details. The damn shins. The shins, right? Um, <laughs> you know, that- It's gonna blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this song will change your life. You have to hear the song, it's gonna change your life, I swear. And I like what it says about depression and like this terrible thing that happened to the main character and all the guilt he was made to feel about it and you know being on prescription drugs things like that that the movie touches on I just love and I've had those random days before where you like you meet up with friends and you end up going to like all these different places because like oh you're, you're like the plan was to like go here but then like oh someone has to stop and like pick up money because they borrowed money from their cousin and their cousin owes them so then we have to go to this other town and then it's like oh someone's hungry so it's like where are we gonna go oh we can't go there because this person's a vegetarian okay so let's go to this other place oh now we end up three towns over okay did you hear about this other thing like let's go here like that sequence of them going to like that hard not the hardware store like the Lowe's type of store and then they go to the hotel and then <laughs> they go to like that uh what is it? It's like, it looks like the Grand Canyon in the middle of New Jersey. And that scene where they just scream, that, everything. Like, I, I know I'm... dump. Right. I, yeah, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful, yeah. I, <laughs> there are so many things. I could talk about this movie all day. I know I'm already talking too much, but... You didn't even touch on the soundtrack. Oh, uh, that I still listen to it all the time. Yeah, that was something that, he, around that time, he became very, like, known for that. That he had, like, the best soundtrack, and he really selected good songs. And I still listen to all those artists. And I think Peter Sarsgaard's brilliant in the movie. He's so good. Gene Smart plays his mom. That, that cameo, Jim Parsons, that whole thing. That The set design of their house is so, that is so a Jersey house of people that don't have that much money. And, like, because we've all done that, where you, like, go to your friend's house, and, like, it's a mess and it's like gross but no one cares because we're all just like friends and like there's some ridiculous thing going on and then like Jim Parsons comes in and he works at Medieval Times which is such a Jersey thing like oh my god I know there's Medieval Times other places but it's not that common like there's one in Lynnhurst and then I don't know where the, another one would be I, sure, I know yeah. there's one in like I know there's one by Disneyland in California like I don't know where other Medieval Times are but it's just so good. I love the characters. I love everything about the performances. I think it's brilliant. And I always have, so. If you don't like it, send us an email. Oh, we don't have an email yet. We should We're going to start an email by the time this is out. <laughs> it's going to be moviescinemafilm at gmail.com. What if that's taken? It's not going to be taken. <laughs> okay, let's, let's pray. All right. Let's pray. Moment of prayer. <laughs> I meant like let's pray. It's not taken. Not just like a prayer break. Oh. Not that there's anything wrong with taking a break to pray, but I'm just saying. I just meant let's pray. It's not taken. Well, I prayed. Okay, your turn, man. Cool, cool. I'm gonna go with. Um, 
if, if you haven't seen already, this is like very ensemble comedy heavy. So let's go with my favorite HBO <laughs> repeat film that I've watched every time it comes on TV. Awesome. We're going back to the Coens. It is Burn After Reading. Okay. Oh my God. I saw that for the first time like this year. And? And I thought I wish Brad Pitt would do that more often. Like be funny and weird, like play a weirdo. Oh my God, that was great. Him and Francis McDormand together, are you kidding me? That was brilliant. I think the John Malkovich, Francis McDormand, Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Oh, Clooney's so good. Comedic combo is just so underrated. Like not that many people talk about that film. And I laugh so hard. And it's just like for people who like improv, mm-hmm. they really just heighten, 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 <laughs> and all of the characters are just so like they have such strong points of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything just makes too much sense in the film. <laughs> it's so yeah, it's so well written. Like, I could watch Brad Pitt play a dimwit all day, but he's just such a loving dimwit mm-hmm. and he plays it so well and he's this his friendship with Frances McDormand's character is just so cute. And her haircut. And her haircut is little, amazing. Little things like that I really love in movies. Like I said, details. Yes, and just like the way that everybody's insecurities are just brought out to the forefront. I think like I relate to all of those characters differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just like this feeling of getting replaced and this feeling of like being inadequate for the people in your life and the people that you love not loving you back, which yeah. I feel like is so relatable. It sucks. <laughs> and Osborne Cox, like John Malkovich, one of like the mo- the best traditional actors, I feel like. Mhm that we have right now it's just such a funny funny <laughs> funny part it's really good <laughs> yeah i recommend that I, I remember when it came out it was kind of a big deal but yeah it's not one of those ones people are always commiserating about but we are if you hear us joel and ethan we're come on the show we're we're here at rhino comedy in Southern, new york we appreciate you guys yeah. and all that you do so much is it my turn? Yeah. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go with, oh, so many I could go with here. I'm going to go with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies, my favorite romance movie because I'm, uh, I love anything that's different. So my favorite, my favorite romance movie would never be like The Notebook. Although I think that movie kind of gets an unfair shake, but that's another episode. Great uh, film. Great film. You love it? Yeah, it's a very good film. That's I love awesome. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Eternal Sunshine. For a while, I couldn't even watch it, like, because I had to, like, be prepared to watch it. It was one of those things where I loved it so much. Yeah, that if I wasn't in the right place, like, I couldn't even watch it. And I just love the... Uh, anything that deals with memory or nostalgia or, like, looking back on a, a, your life or a situation... I think really gets me and the visual of literally being inside a memory and it disappearing around you is probably one of the greatest visual metaphors of all time 
especially, you know, like when she's literally getting pulled away out into the darkness and stuff like that is just beautiful because that's what happens, right? It's like you're in a mem- like you're living in a moment with someone and then someday like they're not there anymore, you know? And again, the performances are just oh, the <laughs> of course the idea of just there's this place that can erase a person, that's just a brilliant idea. Charlie Kaufman is definitely one of my favorite uh, screenwriters. Also, I love how they take like a fantasy that you would have after a breakup. Like, what if I could just erase this person from my head mm-hmm. and it just flips it yeah. and make you be like, "Wait, I don't want to erase it no. from my head." What? <laughs> and Jim, like his line of like when he literally is screaming, like, "No, no, no, no! I want to stop it! I want to turn it off!" Like, oh my god, he's so good. He's so amazing. He should have won an Oscar for that movie, as well as Man on the Moon. He, he's one of my all-time... Even if he never did comedy, ever. <laughs> Say he wasn't even Jim Carrey. He was just a dramatic actor. He's so amazing. And the side plot, spoiler, but the, uh, the uh, Kirsten or Kirsten Dunst... It's definitely Kirsten. I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> and Tom Wilkinson, the whole thing with the doctor. I, I won't even say what it is, but that that whole scene. Oh my god, I think it's so good. And then afterward, when Mark Ruffalo is also great in it. Uh, uh, yes. What's his name? What What's the other? Kid? He has a good underwear scene, right? I mean. Yeah. Good job, he's, Mark. He's so <laughs> sexy. Let's just get that out in the open. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, if you ever wanna. Come kiss on the me. show, right? <laughs> if you ever wanna kiss either of us, like, well, I'm not single, but you can kiss Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your boyfriend would understand. He'd be if like, Mark Ruffalo wanted to kiss you. He'd be like, it's the Hulk. What am I gonna do? <laughs> no, I don't wanna kiss anybody except my boyfriend. Just saying. Anyway, what was I gonna say? What's his name? Elijah Wood is so great in it. Everybody is so amazing. And the scene where Kirsten Mary is her name, she goes over to Mark's character and she was she's like asking like what it was like, like did you ever suspect that we were together and like how did I look and all that stuff. It's so good. I hate it because I love it so much. Like I hate that I didn't make it. <laughs> I, what else do I want to say about it? It's just, um, I love the, the dialogue. I love the dialogue of being in a memory. They're both, they both know that they're in a memory, and then it's sometimes it's like Clementine doesn't really know, and then she figures it out, and that scene where they're at the house in Montauk, and it just plays out as the normal memory, and then they both start to talk being aware that it's a memory the way that's structured like who could mentally even do that and and um she keeps like she's like just uh in she's still in the original memory and then they start having a conversation and he says i don't remember the exact line but he was like she goes was it something i said and then he talks about like how he felt in that moment and but they're back in the moment and then like the water's rushing in it's so good you can't see jordan but he's like about to die thinking (laughs) i watched it relatively recently me too did you watch that live stream no so they had like i don't even know what it was but they had a facebook live stream of the movie 
and it was just like any other Facebook live thing where everybody's on it and like commenting so it was really cool because it was like all these people just talking about the movie while it was on and it was like really interactive like fun experience yeah I love that movie so much I hate to do this but we're gonna take a quick break it's gonna be very quick peace see you in a sec (laughs) all right we're back and we're back thanks for waiting so long guys (laughs) yeah you stuck with us we're on to our final movies in our ranking of five of our faves yep and you it's your turn but i have some bad news first i think that uh movie cinema film at gmail.com is taken so please do not email us really it's taken <laughs> because i tried to like i emailed i sent an email to that account and i just wrote hi and it didn't get returned as like oh that's not an email so that means it's an e- it's a gmail already what? <laughs> Wait, we're we're gonna do it right. Well, I'll do it while Leah's telling hers, so that uh, we don't we don't waste time. Yeah. But we'll we'll find, we'll definitely find out. It's your turn though, isn't it? Yeah, it is my yeah. turn. Okay. If we're if we're going in an order, like now now we restarted everything because we checked out for a second. Um, I am gonna go with um, just this is a tough one. This last one. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have a I have a longer list than five, so I'm going to have to narrow it down, and I am going to go with what's not like the others. I can see all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with. Um, They're all great. Oh, except for there's one on there I don't really like that much. Oh, interesting. <sighs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with the prestige. Okay, that's the one I don't really like. Ah, why don't you like it? Because I don't like what, it. What aspect of it? I okay. You I'm love not, David Bowie. I do love David Bowie. Those moments are flawless, as is everything he has graced his presence with. Uh, however, I don't love the movie as a whole. I'm not a huge. Please don't like just delete this podcast. But I'm not a huge Christopher Nolan fan in general. I think that's. A fair thing to feel. Okay, cool. And uh, I don't like the end of the movie. Uh, I don't like the twist, and I don't like the way that they explain it. I think, as I said before, like, I mean, this rule is broken all the time because I love Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith is a big time, like, he tells instead of shows. His movies are very dialogue heavy, and I love him to death. And all, well, not all of his movies, but most of his movies. And this movie, I don't like the way that they explain the twist. I feel like they just, the way they go through it and talk you through it, I'm like, yeah, I got it. Thanks. Like, I got it. I, I'm good. But I think the cinematography is beautiful, and obviously the costumes and David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, my take on the film, I, I feel like we have different feelings about the ending. Okay. I really enjoyed the ending. Yeah. My boyfriend also loves that movie and is, like, just bewildered that I don't like it. (laughs) One thing that I love is when the film, like, when the form matches, like, the content, Mm -hmm. like, kind of with Inside Lewin Davis, where you kind of get the vibes that at the end it's just a record and it just repeats, kind of. That's my favorite (laughs) Coen Brothers movie. How did you know? Uh, Because it's a classic. It's like a modern classic. I I literally used to watch that movie every day. Like, literally every day. (laughs) 
But anyways, please, I want to hear more about your prestige thoughts. Oh, and I love the fact that this film about these competing magicians and kind of deception and magic brings you to the end of the film and they pull off this ridiculous magic trick that you have no idea how they got to it Mm -hmm. until it's explained at the end. Yeah. And... I don't know. I was also, I watched it for a film class, and I did a lot of, like, papers and stuff on it, so I, like, got kind of deep into it, and Mm -hmm. the sound is amazing. Christopher Nolan always has really good sound, which I'm assuming that's not something that people look for specifically with film, but, like, just Dunkirk, that... Oh, yeah. Obviously, that is, like, next level. And, yeah, it's it's another one where it's, like, that's such a complete film. There's not going to be another film that's like it. Like, I don't know if a magician film could be as good as it. You might disagree if there's already a magician film that's... Well, do, do you remember when that movie came out? That other movie came out around the same time, The Illusionist, with Edward Norton? Yes. Was that better? I think I liked it better at the time, but I don't, I barely remember it at all. I, I honestly, like, I haven't watched The Prestige in so long that I should probably give it another try. Like, I would definitely be open to that. And I won't put you through any more talk of this horrific I, film. No, I love, <laughs> I love when people have a different opinion of me because I feel like I could learn something and see, maybe see it in a way that, you know, I didn't see it before. So is it my is it my it last is. movie? It is. It is your final film. Okay, so this movie, oh my god, <laughs> it's a movie from last year. It's my favorite movie of last year by far. Do you know what it's gonna? Jordan just did some kind of like he was cheering at a sports game. I already know what it's gonna be, but it's, I'm not gonna say it because I'm gonna wait for you to say it because. It's Sean Baker's masterpiece, The Florida Project. Yeah. And. Oh my goodness, what could I even say about this? I almost don't want to start talking about it because <laughs> I'll just never shut up. Uh, and Sean is the director, but um, Chris Bergach, he also, uh, he's the co-writer and you know co-producer. He deserves a lot of credit as well. I believe it was actually his idea. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. I, uh, I think this is the best movie that's come out in years. I wouldn't know how many (laughs) I don't know but I think it is the most authentic movie ever maybe I love that film and Tangerine he's like Sean is is a genius for sure the way that everything is portrayed in this film from you know shooting at the children's level I think was one of the most brilliant moves I've seen in a very long time I feel like the movie gave such an authentic, again, (laughs) feeling of what it actually felt like to be a kid and not in a heavy-handed way, just by the cinematography, like all the running around and like being dirty and sweaty because you've been playing all day with your friends and like maybe you get into some trouble and you know then you have like your family drama going on too and you're trying to deal with that and like you just want to have fun but you can't because like real life is seeping into it and I see I don't even like I can't even talk about it because I can't capture in words how I actually feel about it like I love it so much more than I can say and I think that 
this ties into what I was saying before, because besides Tatum O'Neill, I think that Brooklyn Prince gives the best performance of a child in history. So she's like my favorite actress now. It's like Brooklyn Prince and then Meryl Streep. <laughs> I mean, actually, Goldie Hawn is my all-time favorite actress, but Brooklyn is up there because, girl, she... I don't know how she did what she did, but she's one of the best actresses ever that's ever lived. And It's such a, like, complex story with what's going on like mm-hmm. the dynamics in that film yeah I just love the perspectives I love the, the things they captured the sunsets the rainbow the colors of everything the purple of the building the you know giant orange for orange world that feeling of I don't know if you've been to that area that the movie is set in in, uh, in Orlando or in is it is it Orlando or is it Lake Buena Vista but that area... Some suburb close enough to... I love the... Um, go to the theme parks. Yeah, I love that that message of being right there and never getting to actually go as a child and to know all these people are getting to go and all these other kids get to do and see this thing that you're right there but you're right outside the gates and you can't do it. That... Ugh. And I won't give away the ending. A lot of people don't like it. I think the ending's perfect. I also agree with Leah. Yay! (laughs) And also, I'm a very big Disney person, so I used to go to Disney all the time. And it's not that I don't go anymore. I've just been, like, really, really busy, and also it's expensive. But I used to go all the time. I have, like, friends that work there, and it became kind of like a second childhood for me for a while when I was going, like, multiple times per year. And, And it was definitely a big escape for me, like, from times that were tough just to go there and so at, I don't want to give it away what happens, but um, I think the idea of like escaping to Disney and like running toward the castle and like, like running away from something horrible that's happening to you and running away into a fantasy, it's kind of like what movies are, right? It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to go sit in the theater and see a movie and be like taken away to another world. And like I said, if we if we do a whole Florida Project episode, that'd be fine with me. Like everything, everything in that movie is so clear. Like that, like the lady that works at the motel who like works in the laundromat or whatever. She's on screen for like two seconds, but you know exactly who that woman is. Like you've seen her before. Not the actress. I'm talking about like the type of character. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've seen her before. Like you've you know that woman that works at the motel and like. <sighs> I just I I I uh, I also think that Willem Dafoe should have won the supporting actor. I also agree. Oscar, even though I love Sam Rockwell so much, but oh, Willem Dafoe was so much. Oh, better. he's so good, and so was um, so was Bria Venite, who was like her first movie. I love her. I can't wait to see what she does next. I'm literally foaming at the mouth to see what Sean and Chris do next, and uh, I don't know. What else to say? Just watch the damn movie if you haven't yet, because it is the best. Passes the laugh and cry test. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I can't control myself when I watch that movie. I, it is very funny. It's so, like, the, the, the humor in it is perfect, and the, the moments where you cry are perfect. That, that scene where, they, the, um, where the kids burn down, like, the old condominium, condominiums, and, like, the mom wants to take a picture and like the little girl knows like how what she did and, like, the, <laughs> the look on her face 
How does she do that? She's like six. I don't get it. And if you are interested in movies at all, you should uh, rent this rather than, well, I guess you can rent a version of it that also has the special features, like on iTunes or something. They include those sometimes. But Mm -hmm. on the DVD, which I bought the physical DVD, which I don't really do anymore, they have a documentary. It's like 20 minutes of how they made the movie. And they show like the like when Brooklyn Prince has to cry, like they show her actually doing that. Cause I was like, oh, this girl's sick, so they probably like they gave her the tears or whatever, like the fake ones, or which is fine. Like she needs help doing it. She's a little girl. No, she <laughs> she did it. And all the other things they did, like when the the mom and the daughter are selling perfume. Sean used a technique he uses a lot, where like he doesn't use actors. He just sends his actors out to uh, interact with real people. So, watch that. Like, even if you don't interest, not interested in the movie, just watch how they made it. What? There, I'm just like thinking back to this film, and there are just so many like phenomenal <laughs> scenes in it. Like, I'm thinking about when Willem Dafoe deals with the guy who's just like hovering around. Oh my god. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That should have won the Oscar. How how he did that scene. I agree. <laughs> and everything. Else. I love his like. His, his thing where he doesn't want to be the bad guy and he cares about these people, but he also has a business to run. And he's just like that nice, normal guy trying to have an honest day's work. But then they throw in those scenes with his son where you know he has a little bit of turmoil himself and the son says like, oh, I told her you said hi. And he's like, don't tell her I said that. I didn't say hi. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, yeah like, uh, I... Also, like, losing a friendship because your parents fight. Oh, my God. Like, that's... that's yes. That's everything, right? heartbreaking. That happens all the time. That was so real. And, oh, my gosh, when... When... Uh, when... When... Her name's Mooney. I love that name. When she says... She says to her friend, she's like, You're my best friend, and I don't know if I'm going to see you anymore. Oh, my God. Oh. Every that movie literally captured me from the second it comes on and it's just the two kids. It's Mooney and Scooty or no, Mooney and Yeah, it's Mooney and Scooty and they're just like sitting against the purple wall and like they're just like playing they're just like being silly and being kids and playing. As soon as I saw that I was like, Oh, I completely get what I completely get what that, that is, like what they are and what they're doing and like what this day is. And then the other kid is like running down the street and he's like screaming their names. It's It really makes you feel like when you were a kid. And I didn't grow up anywhere near Orlando. I grew up in New Jersey. My parents were nowhere near as um, loose with me as Haley is with Mooney or any of these kids' parents are. Like my parents would never just let me run around. But I had friends that lived in another community and their parents were more like that. And so when I was with them, they would like just run around the whole neighborhood. They would like go hang out with older kids and they would like play manhunt at night. And I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. Like you can just run down the street, like what? And that, like that feeling of roaming around and just being like little and wanting to have fun and have an adventure, it was really captured in this movie. But, and it's about obviously like, and then the, the, thing, the whole title, like the Florida Project was Walt's name for Walt Disney World, but he couldn't call it Walt Disney World because he knew the price of the land would skyrocket as soon as somebody heard 
that it was Walt Disney trying to buy it, so we called it the Florida Project, and then it also obviously is like, it's the projects, like it's the projects of Florida, right? Like, it's just so good. Sean, if you're listening, come on the show, <laughs> because I will just uh, make you uncomfortable with compliments. I think we're in the golden age of film. It's, last year was unbelievable. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna do that, we should do that next episode. We'll talk about our favorite movies of 2017, because it was absolutely phenomenal. I doubt this year will compare to last year. But I'm excited to see what else is uh, cooking. I haven't seen that many of the big contenders yet, so. I don't know, should we get into it? <laughs> I think so. Before we get started, yeah. we're going to tell you about our new email, movieszinemafilmpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. So if you guys want us to watch any films coming up, if you have any films that you want us to talk about, if you want us to go down a certain path in our podcast. Or in life. If you want us to put your name in an improv scene... Yes, here at Rhino, we, we do, do shows every Saturday and every Friday we have open mic here in Suffern. You can go to rhinocomedy.com and we will put your name in a scene if you want. Or if you just need to get something off your chest, like we're here for you. Email us. Leah is a great listener and gives great advice. I do? Yeah. Thank you. Oh my God, that's so nice. Yeah. Cool. So I guess we should get into it. Okay, so we saw Boy Erase. Yes, and just to tell you guys how the podcast is going to work, we're going to do a non-spoiler review kind of a thing beforehand, and then we'll give you a notification when we are going to start spoiling things that aren't included in the marketing. Right, yeah. That to me is what a spoiler is. If something's not included in the marketing, whether it be, you know even like still obviously the trailer but like any kind of like still photographs or like anything that the actors talk about in interviews things like that because I actually hate trailers I feel like they give away too much so the spoiler portion will be like a shorter kind of just general thing and then we'll really get into it and we'll also like what what I was gonna say watermark <laughs> we'll like times we'll put the timestamps. yes is Jordan's gonna edit it he is a professional editor in the television industry so he knows what he's doing, and then we'll timestamp everything. So, uh, okay, so we're going to do, like, a lead-in. So how did you hear about this film? Like, what did you know about this movie before you saw it? So I'm big into reading, like, film blogs and stuff like that, just going on film websites. I follow a lot of people on Twitter who talk about film. And when you went onto like early sites that were talking about the festival circuit and talking about like early Oscar contenders. This one came up in the conversation a lot. So I figured I was gonna have to see it eventually. This um, was at Telluride, right? I think so. I guess I can check it because I have stuff up in front of me. Um, I think it was, and I think it was kind of like mixed, right? Yeah, it's like seven on IMDb. And it premiered at... Does it even say? Hmm. Oh, should I vamp? Um, we ate so much bread earlier. Maria bought so much bread. We had rehearsal today. We have rehearsal every Sunday. And we had a show last night. Our team is called the Mutts. We're the new... Well, we're the new... Well, actually, we're not the newest anymore. Now we have a third team. Me and Jordan are on two teams. We're on the Mutts, which is... 
regular improv comedy, and then we have a musical improv troupe called Duly Noted. And there's also the first ever Rhino improv team, the Rhinos, who are just geniuses. They also have a show once a month. And you're good. Okay. That's right. Well, you were right. I was right? Yeah, tell your ride. Oh, how I love to hear that. Tell your ride, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, the people that do tell your ride, if you want to send me and Jordan there. Any film festival. Right. (laughs) I guess we get press passes now. That we're film press. Of course, yeah, we are we are 100% press. Even if it's just, like, the Queen's Film Festival, like, we'll go. <laughs> we'll be there. That story of Film Festival, like, we're, we're ready. Like, ideally, we're going to start interviewing, like, all the biggest directors, all the big-name actors. Please, we'll Sean Baker. we'll on here. So, if you guys have any connects to any of the people we're talking about, just ring. give them a ring. Spielberg, just, you know. And we're active, like, we're available to act, so. Yeah. <laughs> and do comedy gigs and whatever whatnot <laughs> right okay so uh, anything else about how your how your what your impression was before you saw it because I think that feeds a lot into what you end up feeling about the movie I'm also a sucker for gay films and like those stories mm-hmm. I feel like they tend to be good um, and they're important stories to be told right now like queer cinema in general. Yeah. So I was definitely just intrigued by uh, this film. Also, I still haven't watched Manchester by the Sea, oh, but so Lucas Hedges good. is seemingly one of the great young actors right now. And Nicole Kidman. Always perfect. Is amazing. Yeah. So I was like, why not? Why not? What brought you upon this? Well, I usually, I'm totally addicted to movies, as you could probably tell. We're doing a podcast about them. And I tend to see everything that's in the Oscar conversation. It's very rare that I miss things. I'm not as good with the foreign films or the shorts, but as far as, like, everything nominated for Best Picture and everything, well, everything that's even in talks to be nominated and then, like, everything that's in talks for best actor, actress, and supporting actor, actress of the site. I love actors. Like, I'll watch any movie if an actor I love is in it, no matter how terrible it is. I love actors so much, so Nicole Kidman is one of those people that I will see whatever she does. And I just knew that I also love LGBT films. I'm a huge supporter of the community. I grew up with uh, LGBT people in my family, so it was always a really natural thing for me. It wasn't something that I really had to be told about. It wasn't like my parents sat me down one day and explained, like, oh, your aunt is gay. It was just like, oh, yeah, like, she lives with a woman, and, like, some women live with men, and, like, that's just the way the world is. So I've always been a really big ally, and I think any movie that spreads a message, as I was saying before, is is excellent. So... I didn't really remember exactly. I knew that it was about conversion therapy, but I didn't really remember any of the other details. So I was kind of, kind of, not blind going in, but I didn't really know that much about it. I like that. I prefer that. I don't read that much about movies before I see them. I try not to watch clips, or I don't really pay attention to trailers very much. I just kind of, as soon as there's something that catches my interest and I'm like, oh, I want to see that movie, I try to avoid all information because I don't want anything to color my opinion. I just want to go see it. Cool. Should we get into it? Yeah, so, okay, how about we just, like, point blank, just, like, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Um, (laughs) 
I don't know if I liked it. I <laughs> thought it was a good film. <laughs> right. There's a difference, right? Yeah. Like, it was a very rough film to watch. We'll get into that more in the spoilers. Right. Um, but it was definitely tough to watch at times, and I did not expect my emotions to feel that way. Like, I felt like my heart was beating for the entire film, like, very quickly. Like, oh my god, like, there's this tension here that... Just like the editing, it had very tight editing, mm-hmm. um, which also made you just follow everybody's words so closely. I enjoyed the editing a lot. I thought uh, the nonlinear way that it was presented, I thought really worked. At first, I didn't get it, which is weird because I'm I'm such a nonlinear movie person. Like I love that. But at first, I was like, what is the timeline of this? Like, oh, is he? Like, is he in school or is he in the conversion plate? Like, is he there on the weekends? Does he go there, like, after school and they take all this? Like, I was like, what's going on? So that's not a spoiler, but if you go into the movie, that's one thing I probably would have preferred to know right off the bat. But I actually really like how they presented that. I thought the editing was really good. I wasn't crazy about the score. Yeah, they played this. <laughs> they play the song that they play in the trailer so much, and it's like overly cheesy. That song, it yeah. does not fit very well. I like the song. I just, but the score itself, I felt didn't really suit the movie. I mean, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little schmaltzy. Yeah, I agree. It like when you guys see the film, if you haven't seen it already which we do want you to see the films before you listen to the podcast. <laughs> but um, Well, you could just listen to this little part and then stop it before the spoilers. That's also true. Yeah. It, it was, that was like the only cheesy part of the film, but like I kept expecting more of it to be ungrounded and feel cheesier. But mm-hmm. luckily the music was the only thing that felt cheesy at times. Yeah, so they used like a boys choir for the score. Did you hear that? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you didn't notice, like, the choir voices? No. <laughs> My hearing yeah. is all screwed up from all the editing I do. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. See, that's what you get for being an editor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess we should comment on the acting, because it was pretty good all around. I'm not, like, huge on Lucas Hedges. I thought he was good in in all the major movies he's been in. I was surprised he got a nomination for Manchester by the Sea. I I think he's very good. I'm not stunned by him the way I am Timothy Chalamet. If we're comparing young, like, if we're comparing that age group of, of men, I, like, just Timothy Chalamet is someone who literally stunned me in Call Me By Your Name, and Lucas Hedges does not do that. However, I think he I think he was very good in this. I liked his kind of shy, restrained performance. And I, I, I'm not really a fan of Russell Crowe, but he was great in this. I always love Nicole Kidman. This role was really similar to her role in Lion, which was one of my favorite movies of that year, if not my, oh, yeah, yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that movie is incredible. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, she's kind of, like, not really the star. She hangs back. It's not really her story. And then she has her moment where she cries and has her, I'm so sorry, like, or whatever, I love you, and this is how it's always been, but we're going to, you know, change things now or what, you know? Yeah. 
I love the I love the details of her character again, like her her platinum blonde hair and her like white lace outfit and her long like cheesy square nails and all that stuff. Yeah, that was very. It's accurate. Yeah, yeah like, she, she's that southern mom. Uh, you know, Joel Edgerton. Edgerton. Yeah, yeah, he he directed director, it, yeah. and he also start. He was great in it. He's always great. He's a great actor, but I. Uh, I'm I'm not I don't know if I was crazy about his direction exactly but his performance I thought was very good. Yeah. Uh he was really good. <laughs> I don't think there's much else to say. I was kind of It's hard to expecting... not do spoilers. Well, yeah, yeah well, I, I guess we'll get start getting into the spoilers. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I got one thing before we go into the spoilers. Okay. Um I feel like what you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> with the Lucas Hedges, Timothy Chalamet thing yeah. is going to be like the next 15 years of our lives. <laughs> we're just going to be watching all of their movies and they're competing and they're overlapping. Like Lucas Hedges is doing a film directed by his dad later this year that's called Ben is Back. That's right. basically like beautiful boy, kind of, I've like a problem that. I've heard that, kid. Yeah. And then this is like, oh, Timothy Chalamet did a gay film. Let me do a gay film. Yeah. <laughs> I love Julia Roberts, so I'm really excited for that one. But to me, like, Timothy, to me, Lucas is nowhere near even close to Timothy's league. Like, it's not even worth comparing them. And, but I still think Lucas is good. He's just nowhere near Timothy to me, honestly. Did you see Mid-90s? No. I thought he was so spectacular in mid-90s. Yeah. I didn't know he's even in it. He plays uh, the main character's brother, and there are some rough, rough scenes in that film that, like, he just plays it so well. And he's one of the only, like, professional actors that's featured in it, and he delivers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to see it. I heard it was good. You like the movie overall? It's, like, I didn't name it in my top five movies of all time. I'll see how it ages in my head. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely one of my favorite films of all time. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, Maybe we should do a mid-90s episode. Yeah, I would so be down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into spoilers? Uh, one thing that I wanted to say, uh, it's the same subject matter of the mis- as the miseducation of Cameron Post. Right. Um, which stars Chloe Grace Moretz and was directed and written by Desiree Akavan. A lot of people are saying that one's better. I think it was better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, there were aspects that we're going to talk about in the spoiler that mm-hmm. I don't know how Leah and I feel about. Because right. um, we haven't talked about the film at all beforehand. But... Um, that film came out first and I watched it first and... I think I enjoyed the decisions better, and there are a lot of similar plot devices. I think they're both great films. It kind of sucks that they came out in the same year. Mm -hmm. Um, But they both show a very um, terrible thing that's happening to queer teens in the country right. still to this day there are conversion <sighs> yeah, actually, therapy that, centers that we decided not to talk about the movie before we got on you know on we got to recording but the one thing I did say to you was I was so shocked because at the end of the movie they have one of those things that they do where they have text on the screen explaining like kind of like a post script 
and it said that 36 states, 36 in 2018, allow conversion therapy for minors, and it just made me sick, and if you are listening to this and you are LGBT or you are anything that's considered different, as long as you're not hurting anyone, you know, like intentionally, uh, you're fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're great. We love you. Come on the show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just like to me, I, it's, I, part of me didn't even want to see this because I'm just like, I feel like I try to have tolerance for so many things, but I don't have, I have such little patience for anyone who thinks being gay is wrong at all. Like, it's the yeah. most natural thing in the world. Like, the same way that I just am naturally straight and I never decided to be straight. I just one day was like, oh, I like that boy. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's the most natural thing in the world. And if I felt that way about girls and I had to hide it or I had to like, come out like my my personal like sexuality is so personal like my personal sexual and emotional romantic feelings have to be announced to my parents and everybody that I know I have to have to make a point to tell everybody <laughs> that's horrible and I just I wish we could just get to a point in the world where we don't have to really do that or or it's equal like let's announce that we're straight so everyone I'm straight <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like I just I hate it so much and it's just really hard for me to watch but I think I think it's so powerful that they even made any kind of movie about this because people will know what goes on. Who knows how accurate it actually is? I've never been inside one of these places, thank God. But, you know, there's, I don't believe you can knock the gay out of anyone because <laughs> no one could knock the straight out of me, I'm telling you that. You know, it's like, Jesus, we're all just human beings and there's so much fucked up stuff that goes on. Why do you have to be such an asshole about somebody, what they do in their own life? Just get out of here. So that's my rant. And I'm just happy this movie exists, even if it wasn't my favorite movie. Yeah. And I'm like bisexual. So I feel like I like these movies because it shows like the history and like went on with this and I'm not somebody who's really faced oppression for my sexuality especially since I've been coming into it more probably (laughs) yeah and figuring it out more like in my past few years but I think it is very important to show that like you might live in a liberal bubble in like a city where Mm -hmm. like New York City is a pretty good place to be gay, I think, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of, of things. Course, yeah. And there are places that people can go to where they could find a community, but there are a lot of people who can't find a supportive community, and they're kind of forced into bad situations. Like, people still get kicked out of their houses. People still, Ugh. like get killed for being trans yeah. like nonstop or just gay people people gay. still get murdered just for being gay yeah. it's just it, it absolutely kills me to think of like a gay kid in say Alabama or something yeah i just want to rescue you i'm so sorry there's nothing wrong with you if you're listening you're great <laughs> <laughs> well you might be an asshole but totally not cuz you're gay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was, it was, it's good that these stories are being told. It's kind of like the natural progression, I feel like. Because, mm-hmm. like, we had the 
the Brokeback Mountain phase where it was like, you have to fight these feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and you're, what you were <laughs> saying about, about how this is a good place to be bi or gay, it is, but I actually have a really good friend who is an actor and he is an incredible actor. I will not name him, but he, he we were talking about Brokeback Mountain and he was like, I don't need to see that. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize at all that you felt weird about people that are gay because he never, there's gay people all around us. It's theater. Uh, and he never treats them in any, you know, bad way. So I, I would have no idea. And I think how you treat people is really important. I know there's a lot of people that are not okay with homosexuality, but they still treat homosexuals in a kind way because they aren't going to like go out of their way to hurt somebody. They're just personally not okay with it. And I don't know if that's, him but I was just shocked I was like well just based on the fact that you're an actor like you have to see that movie because the two lead performances are so fantastic it doesn't even have anything to do with the theme just watch the performances and he was like I just don't need to and I was like oh why like what's wrong oh it's such a beautiful film everybody should watch that film like Ah. and it is like weird because like when you think about the greater like messaging of the film like I don't know. It's, like, it's not, like, the best message. Like, it's a good message, but it's also kind of, like, he goes... I guess that's, like, the tragedy of it. Yeah, that, that scene where he smells the jacket or the or the shirt. Oh, oh my God. Because that's one thing I love about my boyfriend. I tell him constantly is, like, you smell so good. Like, he doesn't smell like anyone else in the world. It's his regular smell. It's not, like, his shampoo or, like, he doesn't wear cologne. It's just the way he smells. And so that – and that movie came out long before I even, you know, met him and smelled him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, that I just – I mean, if he died, I would not be able to even, like, go near anything that, like, I would, like, just pass out every time I smelled, like, his clothes or something. That scene is just, uh, such a, so good. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful movie. And it's one of the only things we get to watch of Heath Ledger. (sighs) Damn. It's rough, man. He fucking ruled. Did you see that documentary, I Am Heath Ledger? I think it was something I turned on late at night. I feel like I need to watch it. It's it's so good. There's so much footage of him like before he was famous and personal footage and stuff. And they really have people who knew him interviewed. It's not like an unofficial biography or whatever. It's really true and How much Michelle Williams stuff is in there? She she didn't she didn't accept an interview, but you know who did? Naomi Watts, who dated him for, like, three years or so. I don't know how long they dated, but they had a significant, like, relationship. And did you see the part where his friend talks about Heath accepting the Joker role? No. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. So it's, like, one of his best friends, I think. And he said that Heath had come to him and said, like, hey, guess what? I'm going to play the Joker. And his friend was like, dude, don't do it. Like, Jack Nicholson is so iconic and you're just gonna look like you know like you're you're like basically like it's too iconic you can't do it after Jack and instead of arguing with him Heath responded as the Joker and then his friend was like you know what you're good (laughs) you do that (laughs) never mind I was wrong go for it and I just thought, like, what a brilliant way to respond to someone doubting you, you know? Yeah. 
And I think that was the type of actor that Heath Ledger was. Yeah. Is he really knew that he could play any role and really adapt into any role. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting to see that we're about to see a Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Oh, I love Joaquin. Same. <laughs> he's going to kill. Do you see he's on Twitter now? No. I screamed. Yeah, I followed him instantly. I, I love him. I think he's such a good actor, but I also find him very like interesting as a person. So... I don't know much about him as a person. I'm just a oh my very God, he huge was, fan like, of his work. Raised in a cult, and River Phoenix's brother, and he was like he was like on the 911 call when his brother died. It's like so de- that, like so yeah. traumatizing because that stuff is interesting to me because that's what makes a good actor is these experiences, you know? Yeah, and I think that's something I like about acting a lot mm-hmm. is that you really get to bring in things that you that have happened to you and like it's really live out the emotions that might have caused you pain in the past and like bring those into your work so that you can make great art with it and kind of grow through it hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so should we talk about spoilers now yeah spoilers 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 thanks for listening if you're leaving off the podcast if you haven't seen it or these might be spoilers that you want to hear. Maybe you don't like to be yeah. shocked because <laughs> we are going to talk about some shocking things, right. I guess. So, okay. The sexual assault scene. Yeah. Oh. It kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know how I feel about it being shown on film. Like, it's definitely been done in film before. I guess time we'll pass and see how we feel about it in our heads. Right. Um, Also, I guess it was a true story. Mm -hmm. So I guess that aspect of it was a reason that Joel Edgerton decided to keep it in there. I like the scene. A lot of people hate it. I know a lot of people are like, fuck this movie because of the scene. I like everything leading up to it. I think like the the mutual attraction between the two guys and that because I always wonder about this as someone who's straight because straight is considered the default of human beings it's like oh I'm a girl and you're a guy so like we could maybe hook up but it's like no you actually might be talking to someone who is gay or pansexual or whatever they are so it's like I'm always wondering like how two guys who aren't I guess your stereotypical gay type let each other know that they like each other and you can have especially in an environment like in college where like if you reveal that you might be made fun of or even attacked so I like the way that they portrayed the mutual like oh like I kind of like him I find him attractive those shots that they just showed of them looking at each other and the way that they make you kind of think oh this is so great he's gonna like find a guy that he can be with and that was heartbreaking yeah like oh and he's really cute and and oh they'll be so cute together and oh my god like they're playing video games that's so cute and oh shit he's sleeping over like that that I feel like is a big cue you know what I mean like if you're with someone who you're attracted to but you haven't actually said that if you're like oh like do you want to stay over (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and you haven't kissed yet or anything it's like it's like you know you could be saying do you want to stay over because I want to have sex right now and then that build up of you getting really excited for him, and then, oh, uh, it's really tough. It's really heartbreaking. I I like the way that everything leading up to it was shot too. How they show 
uh, Jared in bed and how he kind of like reaches out and says like, hey, like, oh, you can't sleep and everything. And like the, they just hold on him. They don't show the boy in the top bunk and then they show him like, like jump off the top bunk. Yeah, that was Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is one of the roughest movie scenes I've ever watched in my life, I think. It's terrible. It's so awful and it happens to so many people. And it was good that... I guess it is good that this was represented in cinema because I feel like a lot of the conversation about the Me Too movement is centered around heterosexual relationships. And women. And women, mm-hmm. and like, which is important because that course, is happening rampantly, but it also happens to everybody. In queer communities. And like, kind of what you were saying with like the not really knowing like whether people are like down kind yeah, of a thing yeah. and like that aspect of sexuality and this took place in the 90s I think yeah I mean, um, when or I was, maybe early 2000s even like me well no it was definitely like I know when it was because they showed a T-Mobile sidekick did you catch that yeah not really that was like 2005-2006 yeah and like that's yeah, yeah that's very recent still so it's like even as someone who is a straight woman it's like before like when I was single there's that dance goes on for a long time most of the time like oh does he like me is he just being nice or like what's going on should I tell him or like what should I is this okay like that kind of thing and so to add the layer of people are oppressing you and telling you that your feelings aren't okay like I can't even imagine you know it's that was very well presented in this movie but that scene it's tough the, the thing that I don't like about the scene existing is that that is such a massive trauma like he was raped and that's not the trauma they focus on in the movie they focus on the trauma of conversion therapy yeah, well I think that's an interesting device that they use and something real that survivors of sexual assault have to deal with all the time is it being discounted and like not being accepted for the trauma that it is yeah and it's like no one even can't like it's not even an it's not really an issue in the movie like he he would be so traumatized from that and they don't really show that it's like he's more traumatized from the therapy and they don't go over it really it's just like why is it there if it's not going to be a focal point of the movie that's interesting yeah i didn't see that aspect of it but like there is that but you could also see the hesitance when he starts that relationship with that other guy Mm -hmm. later who he ends up with um and i guess that is like the beauty of the film is that he found somebody who respected his boundaries and like got him and Mm -hmm. he persevered through all this trauma Mm -hmm. um I really, I actually didn't really like the time jump. There's like a four years later at the end of the movie. And then he's like in Brooklyn and he's like happy and writing and he has a boyfriend or, is he husband at that? No, a boyfriend. boyfriend. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to see like how that, I want to see the journey from I was raped, I was forced into conversion therapy, my mom came to save me and then I bonded with her. I want to see that journey. So I was kind of 
I thought there were some scenes that could have been removed to show more of that. Yeah, it felt very much centered around the relationship with his parents. Mm-hmm. And I guess... Also, like, does he have no friends? That also. Because he had the girlfriend. But did, did he have friends? Because he's, first of all, he's, I mean, he's a pretty, besides being gay, everything about him was pretty, like, normal and average. They didn't show a lot of his interests or, like, that bothered me, too, because I'm like, okay, well, what, who is he? Like, I don't like when characters are just like, well, this is, this person's gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, like, is he super into art or is he super into sports or is he a musician or you know um they tried to put in the running thing oh he runs very heavy-handed right big deal he runs like okay but that's that's a metaphor (laughs) yeah yeah he's been running away from his feelings his whole life yeah and then finally he gets to stop (laughs) running and just gets to write about them professionally yeah it's like, well, does he is, does he not have friends because he isolates himself because he's ashamed because he was taught that being gay is wrong, so he's ashamed of himself, but he's, he has a girlfriend, like, so he bonded with her somehow, or does he just have a girlfriend because he thinks he's supposed to have a girlfriend because he's a boy? Like, I, I don't know. And I also wonder if that's, like, part of the point of the film is that because of his family not accepting him, he just, like, missed out on so many other joys and like had all these insecurities that kind of forced him out of like being able to just do things like obviously after that trauma it was probably hard for him to like be active and do things and trust people again of course yeah I I just think the story could have been told better I haven't read the book so I don't know how prominent the trauma is in the book, but I just think how could that be something that is shown so explicitly too? It's it's very explicitly shown. I mean, it's not pornography, but it's it's a it's, they hold on that one shot of them in the bed, right? Like it doesn't cut away to anything. And that was also another thing with the editing mm-hmm. was every every cut was so quick besides that scene like that was the (laughs) longest scene you had to watch in the whole film yeah and it felt long did you see disobedience by the way oh no wait it's about the the jewish orthodox community oh that came out recently right it was like april or so no i didn't watch that but i want to yeah that's another very good lgbt movie about you know oppressing gay people and the very, very harmful effect that has on human beings. Can everyone just, like, be cool, man? Like, I can't deal with this anymore. Just let people be who they want to be. Thank you. I love Disobedience, by the way. I recommend it. Cool. I'm going to check that out for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so, I don't know. Should we have some kind of, like, wrap-up? Oops, I just dropped something. Should we have some kind of wrap-up, like, where we do... I don't really like rating things by stars. I don't enjoy that. And I don't enjoy thumbs up, thumbs down. I Should we just say, like, do we recommend this movie or not? Yeah, I'd say we recommend... Yeah, do you want to do that? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do Sorry. not speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I... 
I recommend the movie. I guess. I don't I don't think you have to rush out and see it. I think it's going to be very hard for some people to watch. I think if you have um, experienced sexual assault, this particular scene is a major trigger. Major. Yeah. I haven't experienced that, and it was very hard to watch. I can't imagine someone who has actually been through it. And I don't, I don't know what they, what, like, what are they supposed to do? Like, should they have had a trigger warning before the film? Like, I feel no, like... No, I don't, I don't believe in trigger warnings, really. I don't really like that. I think, like, like, the world is rated NC-17 and no one's checking your ID. So, like, you, I don't know. I, I, I also, but I also feel like... That film is going to fuck up a lot of people. Yeah, I don't want people it. to be feeling that way, but I also feel like... If we put trigger warnings on everything, it's like people are never going to be able to, like, it's like keeping people too much in a cocoon. I feel like, I don't know. I think it's more just like letting people know ahead of time that it's coming. Yeah. Or that it might be, like. Yeah, because I had no idea. I had no idea. (laughs) Me neither. And I read a lot of film stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I don't, like I said, I don't. I don't think I don't think anyone needs to really rush out and see this, but I think it's so important for people that are ignorant to see this. And I myself, I feel like I know a lot about LGBT issues. I, like I said, I I am very much an ally, but I did not know thirty sixties. I think that's absolutely pathetic, and I'm ashamed to live in a country that has thirty six states that allow this bullshit. Yeah, like it's very timely. Like everybody should see it for that reason minus what we were just talking about just because our vice president believes in this therapy and people want trump out of there and he's being investigated right now but this is who takes the lead afterwards Mm -hmm. and i don't think people notice this aspect of the whole situation enough because everybody's just like trump is so bad trump is so bad but like all of the Republicans who tried to force that ideology down people's throats are bad. And I think that's something that we need to keep on the radar, especially if we're in more Right. Did you see places. that Viceland show with Ellen Page where she travels around fighting for gay I've watched, rights? I've watched, like, one episode, but not so enough. So good. Yeah. She confronted Ted Cruz, like, to his face, and I was like... I love you, Juno. She is. Juno was one of my almost. I love Juno. Juno is so good, man. I think I don't. Juno's another one where some people are like that hipster bullshit, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That movie. Did you see Tully? Yeah. That's Diablo Cody too, right? I know. Well, it's the same writer and director. It's uh, it's Jason Reitman. Yeah. You saw it? Yeah, I did. It was really good. I liked it too. Charlize Theron is, like, my idol. She's so, like, she's one of those those actresses that's so stunningly gorgeous, and she could have just, like, done those kind of, like, glamour parts, but instead she's, like, such a badass. She, like, gained 50 pounds. Like, do you know how hard 50 pounds is to lose? And now she looks so good again. I'm like, girl. And honestly, I prefer her. I prefer her looking tired and fat. Not that, I mean, she didn't even really look fat. Like, she wasn't. I'm not saying she was like fat, fat, but you know, heavier than she was normally. Yeah. Uh, that I prefer her looking like that because it's so real. It's like so authentic. But it's Fight Club for women. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, 
do you have any last words about Boy Erased? Nah, I think we got a lot out. Yeah. It's a pretty intense film. We're going to hopefully not be doing dark films like this. All the time. <laughs> Since it is the Rhino Comedy <laughs> Podcast Network. <laughs> but so, yeah, man. It's definitely going to be Boy nominated Erased. for something come Oscar for sure. season. Nicole Kidman, come on the show because we love you. Oh, God, you're the best. You are the best. And don't erase people. That's my message. Thank you guys so much for listening. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, stay cool. This has been a Rhino Comedy production. Find us on Instagram at rhinos underscore r underscore funny rhinocomedy.com rhino comedy on facebook and live comedy every friday and saturday night at 96 lafayette ave in suffern new york